wherefore show ye to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love, and of our boasting on your behalf. Touching the ministry to the saints, it is not necessary for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this in behalf, that as I have said, you be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me, and find you unprepared, we would be ashamed in the same confiding boasting. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not grudgingly. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. Our Lord Jesus said, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake and for the gospel will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. Mark chapter 8, verses 35 through 37, John chapter 15, verse 13, and Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. Our study continues in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 with Dr. Mitchell on the grace of giving. And here is Dr. Mitchell. Good day, friends. We come to you and we're continuing our studies in the book, the second book of Paul to the Corinthian church. You remember we were dealing with the ministry in chapters 4 through 7. And then in chapters 8 to 9, he takes up the collection for the poor saints at Jerusalem or should I say that he takes up the grace of giving in both these chapters, 8 and 9. In chapter 8, 1 to 5, we had the example of giving, of how the poor saints of Macedonia gave out of the abundance of their poverty. In fact, they wanted to give so much that the, the Apostle Paul didn't want to take it. He knew how poor they were, but they insisted that they take the gift. 
They gave beyond their capacity. How they gave? With joy, with power. They gave themselves first to the Lord and then to the apostles. Then we had in verses 6 to 11 the principle of giving, which is love. And Paul wants to prove the sincerity of the love of the Corinthian church. It's what you have in verses 6 to 8. And then he gives a, a wonderful illustration of our Lord, who though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, that we through his poverty might be made rich. God himself gives to us the principle of giving. He gave heaven's best for you and for me. He didn't send an angel. He didn't send an archangel. He sent his beloved son. No human mind can begin to fathom the marvels of divine love. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that God loved us and sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. He sent his son into the world to be the propitiation for our sins. I'm quoting from 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. And you all know John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He took his place in the human family, poverty-stricken, became poor, that you and I might be rich. And then we have the exercise of giving in verses 12 to 15. It must come through to willing hearts. Uh, God only accepts that which we can give, but it's got to be a willing gift. And here you have where these Macedonians, they self-emptied themselves in behalf of these Jerusalem saints who were in need. And then in verse 15, you notice what he says. As it is written, he that had gathered much had nothing over, and he that had gathered little had no lack. I think Paul had in mind, I'm sure he does, the book of Exodus chapter 16, where you remember the Lord fed the manna from heaven, and each one gathered according to his capacity. Some gathered much and some gathered little. If you gather too much, it was no use the next day. They gathered daily fresh manna for each day. And by the way, if I may inject this, this is how you and I should live on the Word of God. Not what we had yesterday, but have it today, fresh today. I know that can, that can be kind of hard for some folk. It's so easy to live in the past, what you've known, what you've gathered, what you've learned in the past. And well, well and good, we need it to remind ourselves of the wonderful truths concerning our Savior. But let's keep on going. Let's grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now we come to the next division, the administration of the gift, from chapter 8, 16, down to chapter 9, verse 5. Here we have the administration of the gift. And may I just say here in this connection, God will never be in your debt. Don't you boast about what you give to the Lord's work, what you have God gave to you in the first place. God will never be in your debt. No, sir. You say, well, I'm giving to the nth of my capacity, well and good, and God will take care of you. So you have it here from verse 16 down to verse 9. But thanks be to God, which put the same earnest care into the heart of Titus for you. For indeed he accepted the, the exhortation, 
but being more forward of his own accord, he went unto you. That is, he, he wanted to go and see them. And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. I don't know who the brother is. Paul doesn't mention his name, and I'm not going to guess. And not only that, but who was also chosen of the churches to travel with us with this grace, which is administered by us to the glory of the same Lord and declaration of your ready mind. You've got to have a willing heart when you start to give. Avoiding this, that no man should blame us in this abundance which is administered by us, providing for things honest, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. When you give, you're going to give because of the glory of God, and you're going to give in the sight of men. They're going to watch you. And we have sent with them our brother, whom we have oftentimes proved diligent in many things, but how much more diligent upon the great confidence which I have in you. Whether any do inquire of Titus, he is my partner and fellow helper concerning you. Or if our brethren be inquired of, they are the messengers of the churches and the glory of God. You know, for some reason, that just kind of stuck in my heart. Notice what he says. If our brethren, if you ask about the men who are coming to you, they are the messengers of the churches. And what Paul is doing, you know, he's going to send some men ahead of him to gather up the gift which they had promised to do a year ago. And if you want to inquire about these men, they are the messengers. They come from the other churches and the glory of Christ. My, how the apostle Paul shall I say, gives us that amazing place in the heart of God. I question very much if we Christians today can begin to appreciate the tremendous position and relationship that every believer has in Christ, and especially those who are the messengers of God. They are the glory of Christ. They come in the name of Christ. They come representing the Lord Jesus Christ, and hence they bring glory to Christ, and they become the glory of Christ. Wherefore show ye to them, and before the churches, the proof of your love, and of our boasting on your behalf. I want you to, let me just say two or three things again. Here you have how they're to give to the glory of God, and they're going to give in the sight of men, and the proof of your love will be the evidence of your grace of giving. And God and Paul wants them to confirm his boasting of them. Now, Paul was sending Titus and this brother ahead of him to receive the gift for the poor saints at Jerusalem. They were to give for the glory of God, and all their actions was for the glory of God. So there'd be no suspicion in the sight of men. You see, friend, the proof of our love for the Savior is our giving. Now, I can go back to John chapter 14, verses 21 and 23, where the proof of our love, or should I put it the other way, the measure of our love for Christ is our obedience to his word. For example, in verse 20 of John 14, 21, it says, He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And then in verse 23, if a man love me, 
he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come and have blessed fellowship with him. We will come and sup with him. But now here's another evidence of love. The kick the last verse. Wherefore show you, Corinthians, show to these messengers from the other churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. We boasted that you would be generous. Now you prove your love for the Savior. And too often, too often we give in the sight of men to be seen of men. And primarily it ought to be for the glory of God. You know, I'm, I'm tempted to say something here. What comes to my mind is the book of Jude, verse 11, uh, where the apostle writes, Jude writes concerning the ecclesiastical leaders of the last days. You remember that amazing verse? This is their doctrine. They've gone the way of Cain, that is, salvation without the cross, without suffering, without sacrifice. They followed after the error of Balaam for reward. They commercialized divine things. I'll come back to that in a moment. And then the gainsaying of Korah was the despising of the authority of the word of God. So you take those three things of ecclesiastical leaders of the last days, salvation without the sacrifice of Christ, without Calvary, commercializing divine things. That was evident in the book of Numbers, chapters 14 and 15 of Balaam. And then you have the Gainsaying of Korah, the despising of the authority of the word of God. And we believers, when we give, we are to give for the glory of God because we love him. And we're to give so that it will not bring reproach in the sight of men. Are you giving because you love the Savior? This is what he's talking about. Your gift should be a gift of a glove. Not forced giving. Not grudgingly, but because you love the Savior, because you love his people, because you want to see men and women saved. And it's what Paul ends up the chapter. You show to them, that is, the ones he is, like Titus and the man he is sending with him, and before the churches, the proof of your love. And then, of course, my boasting, my honor is at stake. I've told these folks how generous you are, and how you prove that. Now, in chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, he continues this question of the administration of the gift. Touching the ministry to the saints, it is not necessary for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them in Macedonia, that Achaia, that is Corinth and that surrounding country, uh, was ready a year ago, and your zeal hath provoked very many. Yet I have sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this in behalf, that as I have said, you be ready. Lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we would be ashamed in the same confiding boasting. Not only you, but we will be ashamed. Therefore I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof you had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not grudgingly, or as the King James says, not of covetousness, but not grudgingly. You see, he appeals to them to be sure and have the gift ready. 
Paul didn't want to be ashamed before these saints of Macedonia. You see, he had boasted of the giving of the Corinthian church. You remember, if you go back to the last chapter, the 16th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he talks about them being ready to have a gift ready for the saints at Jerusalem who were in need. And now, now he's boasting, he's been boasting about their generosity, what they were going to do, so that the Macedonian Christians, who were poor people, gave out the abundance of their poverty when they heard of what the Corinthian church was going to do. Now, says Paul, you keep your word. You keep your word. You made a promise to God, now you keep your promise. And we'll be ashamed if you're not ready. Now, Paul is not after money. No, he had been, apparently, he had boasted of their liberality. And his honor was at stake. And so you have in verses 6 to 15, I needn't take any more time on that. But from verses 6, 6 to 9 to 15, you have the result that should follow. And the result, of course, would be great blessing. Let me read that verse. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. And he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loveth a cheerful, a hilarious giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. Let me just stop here for a moment. The result that should follow should be blessing. Let me read a verse from Proverbs, may I? In Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, the possibility is that Paul has this in mind when he writes, when he says, There is that scattereth, and that which increaseth. There is that which withholds more than is meat, but it tendereth to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Say, he that scattereth, he that giveth plenty, it increases. The one that holds back tends to poverty. The liberal soul shall be made fat, and he that watereth shall be watered also himself. Now, I read that because of what we've been reading here. He which sows sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, but God loveth a hilarious giver. We are to give bountifully if we are to receive bountifully. If we give from willing hearts, not grudgingly, we give what we have to give, we give because we're free to do it, we're going to be delivered, we love to give. As he hath purposed, in his heart, and God will cause it to abound in your own lives. He makes all grace abound for the purpose of abounding to every good work. Where the generous heart is, God will provide the means whereby it can be expressed. I want you to mark that. Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, let him give, not grudgingly, not because he has to, 
because God loves a cheerful giver. We had that in the preceding chapter, that love is the principle of giving. Not because we have to. Not under pressure. Not commercializing divine things. I think the tragedy, when you take the things of the Lord and commercialize them, how shall I give then? Give because I love the Savior. How shall I give? According to the capacity God has given to me. How shall I give? Willingly. How shall I give? Because I love him. God loves a cheerful giver. And then verse 8, as I said a while ago, God's never going to be in your debt. God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. In other words, make putting it very simple, God gives us things to give. We are his stewards. Not only stewards of the manifold grace of God, as Peter speaks of it, but this grace of giving. And my friend, it's a wonderful privilege to give, not because we have to, but because we want to, because we love him. And he's able to make all grace abound to you, that you'll have all sufficiency in all things. It may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food, and multiplied your seed, so on, and increase the fruits of your righteousness. My, what, a, what an amazing statement. Increase the fruits of righteousness. Why? Because of your liberality. And then the need of folk are met, and God will be praised, and God will be magnified. We're talking about the result. You'll be blessed. God will be magnified, and those who are in need will be met. And by the way, we read here in verses 12 to 15, Giving tests our sincerity and love for the Savior. It causes others to praise and magnify God. And it makes us, each one of us, to realize our union, our oneness in Christ. Would you mark that? For the administration of this service not only supplieth the wants of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, for your liberal distribution unto them, to all men, and by their prayer for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. See, what he's talking about is when you give because of your love for the Savior, you give according to your capacity. God doesn't ask you for anything you don't have, you see. He wants you to give with what you have. He doesn't demand what you don't have. And you give because you love him. What's the footage of it? The fruits of righteousness will be displayed in your life. People will thank God for your liberality. God's name will be magnified. People will be blessed. This is the footage of giving. The realization that we're all one in Christ and we supply each one's need. One gives money, someone else gives blessings, somebody else prays, and, and someone else witnesses. We are all part of God's program in reaching men and women for Christ, the building up of the body of Christ. You'll get blessed. 
People will be blessed. Well, thank God for you. God will be glorified. And he adds, he closes the whole thing with that amazing statement. The great inspiration to give, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. The great incentive to give. In love, he gave heaven's best. He gave his blessed son. And the divine gift, which God has given to us, inspires all other gifts. Let me just close with this. Love is the inspiration. Sacrifice is the measure of our giving. Rich blessing to others is the result of our giving. And thanksgiving to God glorifies him, magnifies the Savior, and brings great joy to his people. I'll tell you, friend, again, it's wonderful to give because you love. Willing to give because of the need of others and rejoicing together in our oneness in Christ. Thus, God is glorified. And may the Lord bless these few admonitions today to your own heart for his blessed name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Bible Study today. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.